Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, thanks for being here with us today online and in the house today. We're going to get into the Word today. Next, uh, in the next two weeks, uh, beginning of March, we're starting a new series uh, called uh, The Greatness of Jesus. And we're going to be talking about, um, we're doing a uh, walk through the book of Colossians for eight weeks. We'll spend two weeks on each chapter right through Easter. And as we go into Easter, we will just continue that series right through. And so you don't want to miss it. It's going to be great. In, uh, in preparation, uh, maybe you could read the book of Colossians a couple times, get your heart ready for that. And we're just going to see what God says to us. No, I have no agenda other than to uh, just learn about Jesus, learn his word, and see what the text teaches us. It's going to be fun. So come on, let's get back into our series. We are in Salt and Light, our three-week short series. Last week we talked about, uh, in in Matthew chapter uh, 5, you are the salt of the earth. And we talked about how this series, the intention of this series is not to make you bolder, to, to get you to be bolder, to do more bold things for your faith. This series is not about trying to convince you to preach the gospel. The purpose of this series is to teach you that being a salt of the earth is not something that you do. It's something that you are. Salt doesn't do salty things. Salt is just salty. And as you allow God to change you and as you allow him to transform you and as the heat of life comes and you respond accordingly and you respond to God's word and you respond well to the heat of life and God begins to change you, over time you'll find that everyone around you just thinks you're a little salty. And you begin to do salty things, and you're a salty person, not because you set out to do good deeds, but it's just an outflow and a response to who you are uh, in your walk with Christ and who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ. So this week, we're going to jump into You Are the Light of the World. And we're looking at this scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, rather. It says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. It does not say you are uh, a light. It says you are the light of the world. Now, it's interesting. If you look at at, uh, this, this passage of Scripture, you'll recognize that Jesus said this to a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors that had not done anything great yet. They hadn't cast out demons They hadn't raised the dead. They they hadn't seen Jesus do miracles. This was at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Before they had done anything of any spectacular notion, they hadn't cast out demons and preached the gospel and, you know, had Acts chapter 2. These were just these regular old average fishermen, this tax collector that everyone didn't like. These individuals were regular average people just like me and just like you, and he called them the light of the world because there was something that happened in their life that when Jesus came and Jesus ministered to them, Jesus chose them and called them to be a a speaker and an ambassador for the glory of God. He changed them. He transformed them. He used them, but they didn't do certain things to get qualified to be the light of the world. If I do certain things, then I can be a light. Or if I act a certain way, then I can be a a light. No, there was a transformation in their lives. Something happened in their heart. Something happened in their mind. Something happened in their lives. We see this in 1 Peter 2.9. 
your chosen people, royal priests, a holy nation. Look at this, a people for God's own possession. You were chosen. You were chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God who called you out of darkness, out of wandering around into his wonderful light, out of being utterly hopeless, out of being a place where the, the life that you lived and the things around you, your career and your marriage and your kids were, were, were trying to bring you value and purpose, which are things are important. But without Christ, there is no hope. Without Christ, there is no future. Without Christ, there is no afterlife. Without Christ, there is nothing for our lives. And so you and I walked in darkness. We were broken. We were hurting. We were desperate. We were in pain. We were abandoned by this world. We were hurt and injured. And Jesus came and found you and chose you. And he set your life on a rock. And he pulled you out of the muck and the mire. And he put a new song in your life. And he says, you are the light of the world. Not because you're perfect. Not because you got all your ducks in a row. Not because you preach good messages or not because you can heal the sick or raise the dead, just because he chose you and you put your faith in him and your faith in him transformed your life from the inside out. So this what happened to these guys. And he called them the light of the world. And it's interesting he called them the light of the world because it's the exact same thing that Jesus called himself. He says in uh, John 8, 12, Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but, but have the light of life. John 9, 5. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. 1 John 1, 5. John saying about Jesus is the message we heard from Jesus. And know to declare it to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So Jesus is the light of the world. He's giving you the same title that he himself had. And he said about himself in John 14 that, that, that the words I speak are not my own. My father who lives in me and does his work through me. So when you see Jesus, you saw God. When you see Jesus, you see the father. When you see Jesus, you're looking and watching the living, breathing God walking upon the earth. And he's saying the same thing about you, that when you walk on the earth and you go to work and you do your thing, you're the light of the world. People are watching you, seeing God through you. When they look at your life, they see something different about your life. They see something unique about you. They see something different than other people. They notice that there's something about you. When they're around you, they think, man, God is present with you. God is around you. God speaks through you. God ministers to your mind and ministers to your heart. There is something different about you than everybody else. But there's an issue here that Jesus addresses. And I want to make this, I want to take a few moments to, to say something to you that maybe other pastors might not preach about. Uh, but I want to preach about it because I love you. And I love you. And so as a pastor, I've chosen to preach the hard truths at times because I love you. Now, we'll end on a happy note. Don't worry. But just for a moment, I want to tell you what I think Jesus was. Why did Jesus use the city on a hill and a lamp that was lit in a window? He makes two reference points in this verse. And he's talking about an issue within humanity. Look what he says in the scripture. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. A town on a hill can't be hidden. A light put on a lampstand, it cannot be put out. He identifies something very interesting here. The word hidden means to keep secret by hiding it. 
It means to escape being noticed. It means to be concealed. It means to be covered. Why would Jesus talk about this to his disciples? It's because he knew that our tendency is to keep our faith in Jesus a secret. He knew that our tendency was that when Jesus transforms us, we become a light and our light cannot go out. But what we often do when we walk around the world, we're like, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. We don't want people to know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it makes us different. Because we act different. We talk different. We live different. But when we get around people that we don't want to be married to embarrassment, maybe it's fear that people won't like us anymore. Maybe we'll lose friends. Or maybe every time you stand up for something that's righteous in the workplace, people insult you or mock you. And so we don't want to endure the hardships and the difficulties of what it takes to be a light for Jesus Christ. And so we tend to cover our light up to conceal it, to hide it, because we don't want anyone to know that we are true followers of Jesus Christ. It's okay to identify that I'm moral. It's okay to identify that, yeah, I go to church every now and then, but I don't want people to know that I am a radical follower of Jesus Christ and stand for the moral truth of God's word. I don't want people to know that if they die, they'll spend an eternity in hell without Christ. I don't want people to think that I'm one of those people. I don't want people to think that I don't accept their lifestyle because the Bible says that it's not okay. I don't want people to think that, so I'm just going to keep it concealed and hidden. Jesus talks about this because he knew that we have a tendency to be ashamed and fearful and scared. We're, we're worried about what might happen. And I'm here to say this to you today. You might say, oh my gosh, I'm the only one. No, every one of us in this room struggles with this. Remember our friend Peter. Peter, his name was Simon. Swaying Reed was named Peter the Rock. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on you. The gates of hell won't prevail against you. Peter was the one that stood on the day of Pentecost and preached the gospel and 3,000 people gave their lives to him. Peter was the one that established that the move of God came to the Gentiles through Peter. But remember, Peter was the one who was standing when Jesus was on trial for murder and was being brutally crucified. Peter was the one who stood next to a fire and a nine-year-old girl walked up to him and said, hey, aren't you with Jesus? He says, no, I don't know that guy. Yeah, aren't, aren't you with Christ? You, you kind of look like you're with Jesus. I ain't with Jesus. I'm not associated with him. I don't know what you're talking about. Three times, one of the closest disciple to Jesus denied him three times. If the individual who was closest to Jesus, who saw miracles done, was used to, to establish the church on the earth today, the form of Christ denied him three times, I think you and I might struggle a little bit as well struggle because Jesus knew that we would often be embarrassed because the reality is, is that our lives are different. Our lives are different. Our lives look different. Look at this quote on the screen. There can be no such thing as secret discipleship for either the secrecy destroys the discipleship or the discipleship destroys the secrecy. See, keeping our faith secret, we remember that earlier uh, in Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 5, he's talking about the Beatitudes. We, we, we can't keep it a secret because in a situation, man, when, when, when someone didn't deserve mercy, I gave them mercy. Uh, that's uncommon. That's, that's weird. 
Why would you do that? Why in a situation at work when you deserve to speak up against your boss, when everyone around you is saying, come on, speak up against your boss, but you know I'm not going to do that because I respect my authority and I honor God and he's going to take care of me. So I chose to take the humble route. Or how come whenever you speak out in faith, you get insulted or persecuted and yet you continue to do it? It's because I know that my reward is in heaven. Why do you continue to read your Bible in, in the, the, the break room and Pursue this God of yours because I'm hungry and thirsty and I know that I'll be filled. See, Jesus was talking about the fact that as followers of Jesus, we are just different. We look different. We act different. We talk different. We should be absolutely different than everyone around us. So when we walk into darkness, why are you the only one that has light in your life? Why are you so different? Why do you give mercy to the mer- those who don't deserve it? Why you, are you, when everyone else in this world is trying to be rich and go after things, you want to be poor in spirit. Why? It's because we're different. And as we are different, we will get ridiculed. And as we are different, we will be insulted. And as we're different, we'll be persecuted. And as we're different, we'll be rejected. And as we're different, we simply don't always fit in with the patterns of this world because our minds have been transformed. We're different. We recognize that Whenever we try to cover our light up, we're saying, I don't want to be different. I don't want to be the the, the person who stands for righteousness. I don't want to be the person who has to choose goodness when everyone else is choosing something else. I don't want to be the guy that has to take the low road. I don't want to be the girl who has to not gossip. I don't want to be the person who doesn't take revenge. I want to do the things that everyone else is doing. But every time I keep myself secret, what happens when you keep your candle secret? The flame will go We're different. You know, I'm trying to reach my neighbor for Jesus. They're wonderful people, and they're going to come to Christ in the name of Jesus in our church, Dan and Kate. I was hanging out with Dan a couple weeks ago, and and this is for me. may not be for you. This is my own personal conviction in my own life, my own journey. I believe uh, the Bible does not teach us that we cannot drink. The Bible says don't get drunk. It teaches self-control and moderation. So I, I would have a beer or have a glass of wine or something. And about last August, the Holy Spirit began to speak to my life and convict me, for me, to say, Ryan, I want you to cut this out of your life. I want you to no longer drink anymore. Not because it's bad, but because I feel like I want God to use our church and I want God to, to, to use uh, myself for his kingdom. And I just felt like the Lord was saying that's something in your life that, that could potentially be lead you towards sin or lead you towards bad choices. So I want you to remove that from your life. And so I, last August, August 10th, I haven't had a drink since then. And that's great. It's awesome. And so I'm not against drinking. But for me personally, I felt the Lord told me to stop. But what I would always do with my neighbor, Dan, is we would go drink. We'd go to the pub or we'd sit out in his back and drink a couple beers together. And it was kind of my way of normalizing the relationship so I didn't seem too weird as a pastor. Now he offers, hey, Ryan, let's have a beer. I sit down with him, have a beer. I'm okay, man. It's okay. I didn't want to, you know, make it a deal, you know. I'm okay. No, no, come on, bro, have a beer. Finally, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, why are you keeping it a secret? I said, hey, man, let me tell you something. Okay, I'm just going to be real with you. I, I feel like that area of drinking in my life, it didn't please the Lord. And I want to live a life that honors God. I have a relationship with him, and I, wanna, I don't want to harm my relationship with God. So I felt like I just needed to stop doing that. I want to I honor Jesus with my life, and I want to be used by him for his kingdom, man. And, 
And so I, I've, I've decided that I'm not going to do that anymore because I, I don't feel like it makes him happy. And he, he didn't talk to me for two months. <laughs> but then he came over to my house. And you can tell he sees there's something different. A few weeks later, sitting in his van, we're driving around. He's helping me do something. He starts talking about some stuff in his life. And he made this comment. He said, man, there's something missing in my life. And the Holy Spirit said, okay, I've, just, I've literally set you up. I said, Dan, you have a great family. You've got a great job. The thing you're missing is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He didn't talk to me for two months. And now when he comes over, you can see a change. He starts to see something that he didn't see before. He sees a light burning in my heart. There's something that's not in his life because Dan is walking around in darkness. But there's something in my life that he sees that he does not have. Why? Because I said, I'm not going to be embarrassed. I am not going to be ashamed of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to read these verses to you because I love you. Because I love you, I want to read these two verses here in Matthew chapter 10. Whoever then acknowledges me before people, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before people, I will deny him also before my Father in heaven. Look at this one in Mark chapter 8 in the message, verse 38. If any of you are embarrassed over me and the way I'm leading you when you get around your fickle and unfocused friends, know that you'll be an even greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives in all the splendor of God, his Father, with an army of his holy angels. I want to encourage you today to remember that as a light, every time you cover your light, I just say this to you, be, just be, I would be concerned about that natural reaction in your life. As followers of Jesus, we are to shine our light bright. He uses two analogies. He talks about a city that is built on a hill. Now, in those days, they didn't, we're not used to the idea of, uh, of, of there being no electricity and no um, lights everywhere. In those days, they would have a city, and they would have this, uh, the lamp on a saucer with an oil wick, and they would place it in their window, which was about 18 inches, about this large. And each home would place that in their window. And when people would travel, the, the, the cities were distances apart, kilometers apart. And so these travelers will be traveling in darkness through the night. And they would be tireless, weeks potentially, to get to the next city. And they would be traveling tirelessly at night, trying to get to their next destination. And at times, they wouldn't know which way to go. They'd be navigating with the stars and figuring things out. And all of a sudden, they would come over the horizon. They're tired. They're worn out. They're feeling overwhelmed. They're, they want to get to their next destination. And they look in the distance, and there's a tiny little light. And hope washes over them. They see something from a distance. Now, notice this is from a distance. You can go ahead and turn those lights off, guys. Have you ever been in the darkness? Been pitch, pitch black in a room, and as the lights go off, what happens when it's pitch black in a room? You start to feel a little uneasy. You start to feel a little hopeless. It's pitch black. You don't know what you're going to trip over. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. You're trying to get to the nearest light. Ever notice that sense of sometimes fear as a little child when the lights go off and you're in your room or Ezra makes me turn on a lamp every night because he's feeling a little nervous about the room or whatever. You know, when all of a sudden when a light comes on, what happens? Oh, hope. And you begin to work towards that light. Your life begins to turn to that light. You could have been going this direction. And all of a sudden you see that light and you start to move towards the light slowly and gently. This is what people are doing in their spiritual journey. They're slowly stumbling through the darkness 
charge the light in your life. And from a distance, they are watching you. And from a distance, they watch you at work and they see you at your life. And they're saying, man, there's light in them. There's hope in them. There's hope, there's rest in them and joy in them. There's something in their life that I don't have in my life. Now notice it's from far away. Jesus uses two examples. You can turn the lights on, guys. The first example is that you see it from far away. The first example is what do they see from far away? But then Jesus goes into the next scripture and he says that, that this light on a lamp cannot be hidden. He says, you don't take this lamp. He talks about the idea of a lamp. And he says that now he's talking about when the, des- the traveler gets into your house, they follow the light. They came close to you. They walked in the door and you've got a lamp on the window seal, and you go and grab the lamp, and he says, you don't take it and hide it. Hey, how's it going? So glad you're here. Oh, that scripture on the wall? Yeah, raise that. <laughs> oh, Christian music, I'll switch it over. Switch it over. Top 40s, woo He says, you're not going to take your lamp when someone comes into your home. You're not going to hide it under the bed. <laughs> How you doing? I... You're not going to cover it up hoping that no one will see it. No. What you're going to do is is you're going to take that lamp and you're going to set it on a lampstand in the middle of your home so everyone can see it. That's one of the reasons my wife and I have a scripture when you walk in the door. The first thing you see is God's word because we want it to be very clear that this is a house of lights. But I find it interesting that Jesus chose to use a lamp. Candles were prevalent in those days. How many of you know, obviously, when a candle runs out, what happens is it goes out? A candle, a a lamp with oil lamp, was intended to run continuously. And Jesus chose to use this because what happens is, is that there's two reasons why a lamp goes out. And I believe there are, this is a prophetic picture for many of you here today who are in this room, many of you watching online in your journey with God. This is what's happened in your life. There are two reasons why this lamp that's supposed to go continuously goes out. The first reason is, is the flame goes out. The flame burns out. The passion is no longer there like it used to be. There's a song that says, I remember when. I first met Jesus. I remember when, he says, I couldn't wait to tell someone. I remember when, when I just couldn't wait to tell someone about what Jesus has done in my life. The passion has gone. The zeal for the Lord has dissipated. The enthusiasm for his kingdom has gone out. The other reason that an oil lamp goes out is that it runs out of oil. You've gone dry. You've gone dry and It's been a long time since you've been in the presence of God where you felt his presence and he's watered you with his word or he's he's just reminded you of the transformation in your life. It's been a while where you've gone dry and you feel burned out and you feel like your flame has gone out and you feel dry on your journey and you're living a life and you've gone from a passionate, zealful, passionate follower of Jesus Christ who wants to share your faith with as many people as you can. Why? Because I am a light. I don't want to conceal it. I want everyone to know about who God is. But something's happened on your journey where your passion is no longer there. You're dry in your life. And now you're just doing religious things. You're just doing good deeds to to show you're a Christian, but in reality, your passion's gone. You're doing good deeds because you know I have to, but in reality, I don't really care if this person knows Jesus or not. You've gone dry. 
The flame's burned out. And I want you to know today that every one of us goes gets her on this journey of life. Every one of us comes to a place where we go dry, our oil runs out, the anointing is no longer there, we no longer have the activity of the Holy Spirit running in our life, and we're reading our Bible every now and then, and we're praying every now and then, and we're going through the motions, and we're doing Christian things, but we have forgotten about our first love. We've forgotten what Jesus has done in our life, how he transformed us from alcoholism and transformed our marriages and saved our souls and helped our lives. We forgot what Jesus has done in our lives. And Jesus says to the church of Ephesus in Revelations chapter 2, he says, I got this one thing against you. You've forgotten your first love. He said, go back and do the things you did at first. You would walk in the presence of God and you didn't care who was around you. You just said, oh man, I just want to be in God's presence. And you were so hungry for his word and you were so faith-filled that his word was true. Something shifted. Something's changed. I see this happening in churches. I've been visiting several churches recently. I just look around the room and think, where's the passion for the Lord? Where's the enthusiasm and the zeal for the house of God? Where's the passion for the presence of the Lord where my heart yearns and my soul thirsts for the living God? When can I go and be in the courts of my God? Remember when he first met you. Remember when he first found you. Remember what he did in your heart and in your life. See, Ryan, how do I get that back? You got to go back. You got to go back to the place of gratitude. You got to go back to the place of recognition that nothing that you have in your life, nothing that you have is outside of God's grace in your life. See, when the Jesus came, the Bible says he came to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I feel like I'm on assignment to set a fire in your souls tonight. Set a fire in your souls today. Maybe you're here and you're feeling that way. I want to pray for you today. We're going to sing this song in a couple of seconds. I want you to respond in worship today as we end our time. But come on, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray for you. I know without question that I'm talking to somebody in the room today. Come on, close your eyes real quick. Come on right now, just do me a favor and just put your hands out in front of you. I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, we just put our hands out in front of us today. As a gesture to say, Father, we just, we just need you, God. Lord, we've gone to a place where maybe we're not desperate for you anymore like we used to be. We don't trust you like we used to. We don't turn to you like we used to, God. I want to pray, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, God, for taking life into our own hands. Forgive us, God, for taking for granted all the great things you've done. Lord, we want to go back to the place where, God, our light shines bright. And our light doesn't shine bright because we do good things. Our light shines bright because, Holy Spirit, you come and baptize us with your power and with your fire and with your spirit. So Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to burn away every area of our lives where we're self-focused and burn away every sin in our life that keeps us from being holy. God, burn away every past hurt and pain. And God, today we come before you, Holy Spirit, and we say, would you come and baptize us, God? Do a new work in our lives, oh God. Shake us up, transform us, make us new that we might be used greatly for your kingdom.
God, today as we end our time and as we sing this song together, we say we're available, God. We're available for your kingdom. We're available for you, Jesus. We want you to minister and move through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.